I mean, so much of the context for this for this conversation and you know for the debate about the the corporation tax and and even full employment and 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 so much else depends on the you know I think you alluded to this earlier. I mean, what what the analysis of the 2019 general election comes down to, and obviously in 2019 the majority of Labour's losses came in the north and in the Midlands, in some yeah. cases in seats, you know, that have been labor for going on a hundred years. And, you know, so, you know, naturally those losses prompted quite a few discussions about what went wrong. And I want to ask you some follow-up questions on this, but I think just to kind of clear the ground a bit, I would be, you know, it's a big question, but I'd like to hear, you know, as an MP who represents communities in the North and has for some time, what is your analysis? We'll get into the the alternative um, analyses of this that have, have emerged, but I mean, what is, what is your analysis of of the cause of those losses if there if there is something that's uh you know can can specifically be be nailed down look uh, again uh, again look politicians should be able to have simple answers but the truth is there is nothing simple about anything in this world and to try to reduce it is a mistake but um what i think has happened Remember, the north of England and the Midlands particularly were the seat of probably the most important revolution in the history of humanity. Perhaps that's overstating it. But certainly the Industrial Revolution completely transformed the productive capacity of the whole planet. And it was pioneered to some extent in the north of England and in the Midlands. I don't want to be too, you know, little England kind of thing, but certainly there was a sense of a powerhouse on a truly global scale. For example, I think in Leeds, where I come from, there was a single factory, 10,000 people worked in that single factory. I think uh, one in every two men in the whole of our country were clothed by that one factory. And many people also in what was then the British Empire, you know, in India and elsewhere, bought clothes from Burton's. The truth is half the fleet's in the Northern Hemisphere were built on the shipyards and so on and so forth. So when we went through the process of deindustrialization, remember it was brutal and the British economy was transformed basically into, into dependence on finance capital based in the city of London. Uh, there was no further really investment to transform the nature of our economy in the North and the, uh, and the, and the Midlands. Money chases money so the money was being drawn into the magnet of the city and was not being invested in uh, the areas which were more peripheral geographically now not everybody who's reading jacobin will not will understand exactly but there's a question of geographic peripherality here as well and so the deindustrialization took place particularly in those areas which were more ge- geographically distant from where the city of london is based And whole communities, when I say whole communities, I don't mean the odd village. I mean whole regions, vast regions involving millions of people were left with their economic purpose, the very reason for their existence gone. I mean, uh, the village I live in, the villages I represent were built here because there was coal. There was coal under my garden. You could dig down and find coal. Coal was what helped to power the Industrial Revolution, the steam revolution and uh, generated power, heat, and electricity, and so on and so forth. That purpose is gone. It's gone. And the biggest thing we, biggest employer we have now, apart from the public um, institutions like the schools and the hospitals, are the biggest employers are warehouses which are distributing clothes into the big cities because we live quite near a, a motorway network. 
And, you know, I don't want to diminish any kind of job, but it's not the same as having an economic purpose of the kind that one had. Anyhow, um, the British ruling class basically opted for an economic strategy which was far too dependent on services plus the the, um, the city of London, finan- the finance financialization of the economy. And as a result, millions of people were left behind. We'd say they weren't left behind, they were held back, held back by a system which deliberately decided to exclude them. And the Labour Party is the party which was created by those communities and who voted for us for the century. And yet they were unable to defend those communities against the transformations which I've just described. Now, you've got to think about this at a human level, because what happens is when you lose your sense of purpose and direction, then your number of factors begin to emerge. I think I've described it as anime, this loss of a sense of values which bound the uh, community together, a sense of alienation and a sense of uh, loss when the future looks more dangerous than the past because the changes which you've experienced have been damaging, then you're in a very bad place because uh, hope depends on the idea that change can be positive and progressive. But if the change you've experienced was negative, then you look to a past uh, which has gone and can never be brought back. And that, I think, is kind of an underlying kind of malaise. It's the same in the Rust Belt in America and in and in Germany and France and elsewhere. So Labour in the end was not able to tackle it for reasons which are which are more answered now. That was all happening. I think the last time so so anyway look let's let's describe it as a sense of a loss of agency. The idea of the capacity of a human being or a group of human beings to act on their environment, to change it in a way to impose their will on it. The sense of agency had more or less gone. And then suddenly out of the blue, they were offered the opportunity to exercise this sense of agency in terms of saying, well, the European Union has done nothing for us, really. There's, an, there's a referendum. We are going to send a signal to everybody that we are, we're not comfortable at all with the direction of our country. We want it to change. And yeah, he was tied up with all sorts of things. Some of it was anti-foreigner. There were lots and lots of different aspects of the Brexit vote. But then for the Labour Party to say we weren't going to accept the the vote, and sections of the Labour Party did say that, then already the sense of, well, where's Labour? Why is Labour not looking after us? Suddenly becomes, why has Labour ignored our majority decision that we want to change direction of the country? And though there was, I mean, there were some of us, there were many of us, by the way, but I was one of them saying to the party, for God's sake, You've got to listen to these people. So even just to reduce it down to simple mathematics, it's not in the Labour Party's interest to abandon these people. But in terms of our politics, the idea of an insurgent mood in working communities across the North and the Midlands, insurgent about the nature of our country, was something which a progressive party ought to have understood, embraced and used to bring about change. But it didn't. But that, I think, is, you know, I don't know if I can capture it in any way uh, more than that. There's, I've looked, I've read a lot of stuff on psychoanalysis and all sorts of other stuff. There are quite deep understandings of what happens in deindustrialized communities in the neoliberal age, and the patterns of, of behavior which emerge, which I think do explain satisfactorily what has actually happened. But very few people on the left have actually grasped it.